Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Welcome along to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness and here on Joe. Uh, today we're looking ahead to Munster and Leinster in the Guinness Pro 14 semi-finals. Uh, later on, Barry Murphy's going to be chatting to Reese Marshall down in UL, uh, the Munster boys. Uh, I'm going to be chatting to John Fogarty today at Leinster and I'm here joined by Adam Byrne, uh, who's looking ahead to the game with me as well. So yeah, we're here in the belly of the beast, as Barry Murphy often likes to say, um, in, in the, the heart of Leinster rugby, and, and we're sitting here with Adam Byrne today, uh, looking ahead to the Guinness Pro 14 semi-final between your Leinster and, uh, well, Barry's Munster, let's say. Uh, how, how are things you were just showing me there before we kicked off the interview, your, your gnarly scar there that you had from your, your recent operation? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a long one, all right, but um, no, I'm just happy to have the operation done and, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm on the road to recovery now. I started the rehab and started to load the quads, so it's feeling really good and hopefully no hiccups and, you know, I can just ba- get back to where I was. And we had, like, we often, you know, get people asking in or Twitter questions and stuff, people asking about yourself and, you know, what's the time frame for yourself getting back? Is there, you know, like, this um, pre-season... Could yeah, I guess running? it's um, normally when you get a muscle reattached, it's anywhere between 12 and 16 weeks. So hopefully I'll aim for the lower half of that 12 weeks. But I, I guess the main thing is just making sure it's right. You know, I guess um, I don't want to push it and, you know, come back too soon and do it, make it worse. So uh, I'll aim for the lower half and I'll work as hard as I can to get back as quick as I can. But the main main focus is just get it back right. And did it happen in, was it a training accident or was it the Glasgow no, game? No, it actually playing? happened in the Glasgow game. So I'd had a, a dead leg um, about a month before. I got a pretty big bang on that. So at the time, um, we were defending our line and, you know, when the forwards are picking and going, somehow I got caught up in there and um, kind of in a, a lunge position and just was trying to drive back their player and... I thought I'd got hit in my leg, but uh, when I got up, I felt a little bit different. But I'd come on as a sub, so we didn't have any subs left. So I just thought it was a dead leg and thought mm. I could manage it. But kind of the last few minutes of the game went on, I realised it was something pretty bad. So unfortunately, um, the scan showed up. It was a pretty bad tear. So got it reattached and it's looking pretty good so um, yeah looking forward to just getting stuck into the rehab and getting back and are you someone who like is there a medical term for it are you someone who would read up on this type of stuff or you just kind of give me the time frame uh, oh, yeah I, I probably would uh, like look into things but um, I tried not so I've known from the past you know googling stuff definitely doesn't help so um, <laughs> yes. once I got the scan I just listened to the physios and the doctors and um, you know the surgeons to kind of key people who knew their stuff and uh, the surgeon did tell me had a few pictures of uh, when he, he operated inside my leg but he hasn't sent them on yet and I, I don't know if I want to see them but uh, <laughs> no I'm just happy it went well and you know it's done. Yeah once got a Jake Heenan when, he, Con- when he was at Connacht sent me a picture of the inside of his hand because he had got a stud yeah. through it and it looked like somebody had put a bike chain in there to try Jesus. and keep the thing together like it was uh, yeah I don't know if I want to see it so I think <laughs> I'm happy to just look the scar and uh, let it heal yeah yeah and then for yourself you're saying you have an exam coming up um, what is it you're studying at the moment And yeah so uh, the lads are calling me Van Wilder I don't know if you've seen that movie <laughs> yeah. the guy who seems to forever be uh, in college but uh, I'm finishing off a master's in biomedical engineering oh, wow. so yeah I've two more modules to do now next year and then um, then I'll have it done so looking forward to that the end is near but uh, the one tomorrow actually funny enough is in rehabilitation engineering so I should know <laughs> know my way around that one 
at this stage, so hopefully it goes well. And is there much time that you'd like spend with the students? Like, are you coming in then with the American football flinging around the back of the, <laughs> uh, the back row of the class? Um, not really. I guess in the early stages, when I was uh, in the academy, you know, we trained maybe a little bit earlier. The time frames would be a little bit different, so I normally cycle in and then cycle over to lectures. Uh, probably still sweaty and stuff, but. Uh, <laughs> No, at this stage, I, I kind of just try, you know, look up on the work in my own time or go to the library when I get a chance or a week off or whatever. But, um, yeah, I've, I've dropped down through the years because I'm doing a reduced workload. So I think I'm in my eighth year now oh, wow. <laughs> in UCD. So uh, there's a lot of new faces in there when I go in. But, um, yeah, no, I, I'm able to manage it. And, look, to be honest, I, I enjoy having another focus outside mm -hmm. of rugby and something to kind of... Uh, keep my brain taken over and focus on outside of rugby so it's good and particularly when you have an injury as well it's another thing to you know kind of set goals for or aim for so I enjoy it and, and then you're you've talked about cycling in would you kind of you still live in the area you still like um are you and are you living any of the Leinster boys in, yeah in yeah own, the big um, bad world? so I live just about like a, a five minute uh five minute drive ten minute cycle away in Klonski with Josh van der Fleer, Peter Dooley um used to live with Tom Daly he's obviously moved out west oh, yeah, to Connacht and yeah. Um, and yeah it's been the four of us we have two other lads in there as well and uh, yeah it's been great fun we used to live even slightly closer but that house got sold so we we tried to stick together and we found another house so yeah we've had we've had great fun and um, you know, we did the. I think there was an academy series that yes, yeah, uh, yeah they yeah, filmed yeah. a while yeah. ago. You know, it's good crack in the house, and it's just good to have everyone support. And you know, when someone's on an up or someone's on a low, at least we can kind of understand each other mm. and uh, kind of row in behind each other. So now it's good fun. And the other two lads in the house as well. It's great to have them there as well. One one lad is an entrepreneur with his own business. The other guy's working in Deloitte, and you know, he played actually Ireland under 18s rugby with us as well. So he's um. You know, it's good to have someone else that's not just rugby the whole time in the house. So, yeah, we enjoy it and we bounce off each other pretty well. That's good. And then, and so then you would have been close. You got a, a close look at Van der Fleer, and I was surprised enough myself yesterday when yeah. I heard that he was back. Like some superhuman yeah, you know, feeds to get uh, back. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the ultimate pro, and you know, I guess it's uh, it's great to be living with him as well, just to see. You know, he's obviously very disciplined, the ultimate pro in here that everyone can see, but then at home as well, you know, his diet, his sleep, everything. So he's, um, you know, and to see him turn around, you know, a potential 12-week injury in seven or eight weeks mm. is, you know, I've been picking his brains and, you know, asking him, ask him questions the whole time. So he's... Um, yeah, he's, he was calling himself Backman because he was going to get himself back in time. So uh, when he's injured, he always sets up phases for himself. So this one was Backman and he, uh, he lived up to it. So he got back, I think, in seven or eight weeks. So, um, you know, hopefully he'll get a run out this weekend and I'm, I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll do very well. Yeah, yeah. And, and does, um, does that one there look about... Um I suppose you guys all living together and talking about you're an ultra professional as well. And, like, would it be handier then like, in terms of like cooking and you know you have your own meals and stuff like that? Then is anybody or do you kind of lean yeah, on one of the lads? I, I think we probably because um, 
you know, we're all kind of, I'm in college and coming back. We, we normally do just cook separately, mm. but I would definitely say the deft hand in the kitchen is Peter Dooley. He, yeah. he knows his way around the kitchen um, when he puts a bit of time into it. He's very good. And, you know, yesterday, for example, uh, you know, I was studying all day with the exams after after training and, you know, came back and he had the barbecue going and he'd gone to the shop, got the meat and everything. And, uh it was a touch of class by him in fairness to come back and um, I don't know who ended up cleaning cleaning up uh, yeah. I scooted it off to the library <laughs> but uh, no sometimes like you know if it's a barbecue or something we'll all like um, cook together but normally we just kind of do our own thing and and that and then you, you so like you're kind of grew up, grew up in Kildare as well didn't you as well and um, it's kind of kind of looking at the kind of the journey that you kind of had from there as well I was even reading up about you as well that um a, a lot of kind of ga and football there as well along the way is like and then rugby was kind of late enough start for you wasn't it yeah so um yeah initially we grew up in dublin played soccer myself and my brother then moved to kildare and kind of i guess uh gaelic was probably uh the sport that i loved the most when mm. i was younger i loved that and you know my ultimate dream was just to play for the Lily Whites in Crow Park so everything was going towards that and then I kind of just came across rugby by chance I think it was just a friend saying you know you get a it was in school initially in ACBS and he just said you know you get Wednesday afternoons off so uh you know give it a go and um yeah once I kind of started get, getting into rugby you know I found it uh difficult to learn at the start but you know I loved it and kind of enjoyed the challenge as well and then things just kind of, I guess, went from there. Obviously, I had to give up the, the Gaelic soon after that. I had to make a decision, which was really tough at the time because it was around the time of minors. And, um, yeah, so it was really tough at the time. But, you know, still keeping touch with a few of the lads on the Kildare team. Like, I was only talking to, to Paddy Brophy, who played mm. AFL, um, as well himself so yeah I you know it's something I would love to have done but uh, I'm definitely glad I stuck with the with the rugby what what age did you keep going with I, I was the local was kill the local team as well yeah kill yeah. was the local team so you know we, we weren't normally I'd say we probably don't do too well against you know the bigger towns like Nace or Selbridge but for our age group we used to kind of punch above our weight you know we had a really good group of lads like myself and my brother were playing the team there was um Shane O'Hagan, Jack Healy, uh, just a few of the lads who were, you know, really good, all played Kildare underage. And then, yeah, I guess it was probably around 16 uh, or 17, where I was kind of, maybe I was a year young for the minor team, I was kind of maybe pushing for that, and then it was also a year young for the Leinster Youth team, so... I guess, you know, at that age, you know, you'd have maybe older people saying, ah, oh, sure, you can easily play both when I was your age. You know, we'd, we'd go from a, you know, a rugby match to a soccer match to a Gaelic match in one day. But, um, no, I, I wasn't able for that. I think I remember I had, like, Osgood Slatters, I think it was called. It was, like, lumps on my knees from growing pains and oh, I wow. used to be in bits. So uh, I tried to keep it going as long as I could, but... Um, <clears throat> Unfortunately, had to one of them had to give, and uh, I chose to stick with the rugby. And I'm obviously uh, glad I've, I've done that, but I do miss the Gaelic. And what's it like when you go back? Would you, like, do you still get back to kill much? Go into the dew drop in for, for a drink <laughs> yeah. over Christmas or something? Yeah, yeah. I head back, um, and it, when I first moved up, I'd go back. You know, every chance I got, it was only like a, a half hour drive. 
and you know my mom would bring back a, a big bag of washing for her to do <laughs> yes. and you know get a few meals cooked for me so it was nice but um yeah now it's a little bit you know the weekends are a little bit more busy busier I'm trying to study up here you know a few other things going on so I probably get home once every two weeks and yeah you know a couple of a couple of my mates you know are always hanging around and one of them actually works in the dew drop so oh, you know cool. he might throw me out an odd point or two when, <laughs> when I go back but uh no I really enjoy going back and even to catch up with the lads one of my good mates works in Parmerstown House Golf Club and mm. you know try to go over and play a few holes with them and yeah it's always great to get back and you know try to keep in touch with the lads that I grew up with so my, myself my dad played that course a few years ago and I couldn't get to the 18 because I'd lost all the balls yeah, <laughs> so many lakes tough, and, yeah. and stuff around there yeah I don't think I think I've walked it a few times when I was younger but I don't think I'd be able to last now yeah. I'm always banking on uh, my friend to you know get the keys for a buggy so <laughs> um, but yeah I don't even think I've, I've played longer than 12 holes in the last in the last couple of years but no it's a good course and, and at the weekend then like so I I, I did you get over to Newcastle at the weekend, or were you still like, were you part of the squad? You all flew over together, and yeah, so it was great that uh, you know Leinster brought you know the extended squad. Obviously, there was the the match day twenty three in the reserves, but um, you know Leinster organised for everyone else, you know, to kind of go over, and there was a function beforehand, and um, you know it was great to be there, right beside the the subs bench, and just to be able to cheer on the lads, and um, and as well also to be there and kind of. I guess shared emotion when you know we came up that little bit short so um you know really appreciative that Leinster were able to bring us over and, and you've been in that position before like you know like you've had a game like after the game because I was even like I was standing in the mix zone and you kind of you have to chat to the lads but you almost don't want to talk to them you want to leave them be but you have to but is it the same for you are you kind of looking to kind of do you leave the lads be or do you have the odd word every now and then or everybody's different yeah I guess I guess everyone's different I guess at this stage we're you know we're really close friends we nearly you know have that kind of family brother relationship so I guess you know everyone individually and um, but I think maybe I just mostly just leave the lads themselves especially the lads who played Um, but yeah when I think back to maybe a couple of years ago when we lost to Scarlets and um, Claremont mm. and the season was over you know I think the one thing that stuck out was just being having to wait so long for your next game you know there was months you know in the summer before the next game so I think the great thing is you know it is extremely you know sore at the moment but at least you know we've we only have to wait a week before we can get back to our home stadium the RDS and you know, get to play a great team like Munster. So, you know, hopefully we can put in a really good performance and come out on the right side of the results. And I'm sure the lads, that's the best thing I think you want, you know, another game as soon as you can, mm. just to show what you can do. So, And then, um, I suppose at that game, I suppose, yeah, as you said, Munster have all the guys to get back up against. But from you, I suppose, just in that kind of position where you kind of cover the, the back three, um, I suppose Munster's threats, like, you know, if you think of the, you could have Haley. Earls and Conway coming up against the, the lads it'll be tough at the weekend won't it yeah um, you know obviously uh, would have been in camp you know a few times with um, Keith Earls and Andrew Conway and you know they're exceptional really good wingers um, you know I'm always probably picking Earls' brains and stuff and asking questions uh, you know reads the game very well and obviously an incredible player for Ireland Munster over over the years but um, yeah we, we know the threats that they're going to bring Mike Haley as well has come in this mm. season done very well 
but also you know I'm sure the lads will back themselves whoever we have out in the back three as well so um, you know I'm looking forward to that contest and seeing the contest in the air as well I'm sure it'll be be a tough one but um, yeah it's going to be it's going to be a tough one but evenly matched and then as the, the last one for me is just kind of as you're saying the focus now is on kind of getting yourself right and stuff like that um, hopefully maybe if you get back in time get into maybe like pre-world cup camps and stuff like that as well but are you going to give yourself a, a week or two off even in the middle of it all to, to get your head shower get your head washed away from it all for a week or two at least yeah yeah so i had a holiday uh, booked to america um before i got injured so luckily enough i've worked it out with the physios that i can still still go to america and then um enjoy that and uh you know have fun over there and then come back and it'll just be you know get my get myself right and get myself back as quick as possible so yeah looking forward to both them yeah well good luck with it and good luck over the summer good luck with the exam as well yeah thanks very much thank you typical underdog you're you're saying like how they they ripped i'm just thinking last of the mohegan style i was thinking indiana jones as well like where your man tries to rip, I don't know why. That's graphic for Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. He rips the hearts. Cover the heart. Classic. Indy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he didn't. He didn't. Connacht didn't cover their hearts. No, they didn't. They should have covered their hearts. Yeah. Should have listened to the advice of Short Rod. <laughs> <laughs> Short Rod, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Connacht didn't have a Short Rod. No. That was it. They had no one to say to cover their heart. Reese Marshall, you're 20,000 kilometres from your home just north at the New Plymouth in New Zealand, and you've just extended your stay at Munster till 2020, at least. Um, you've been described as an integral part of the Munster squad by a few people. Um, but before we get into that, I want to talk to you about your rugby life in New Zealand, where it started. Um, for us over here, we look at all New Zealanders and imagine that every kid, every teenager aspires to be an all-black. Was that the way it was for you? Uh, yeah, yeah. so growing up, uh, two older sisters, um, both played rugby. Um, rugby's kind of in the, in the genes. Granddad play it, played it, I played it. Dad and my brother and my granddad all played provincial-level rugby, so it was always kind of... Um, it was the four-year-old's dream to be an all-black, like you say. and. Um, growing up on the farm, we had the local club, and I'd played um, played rugby, like I said, since I was four. Um, and yeah, and so Dad was the coach, and it's just that's how it, how it panned out. All the way up, he coached, followed your teams all the way up through. Uh, yeah, yeah. He um, so he was actually coaching the seniors um, and in a rival club, so our local club. Um, so he was coaching across the bridge, pretty much, uh, where he was brought up and where he was raised. Um, so I played for a rival, like a rival club when I was little, and then from there, yeah, into just school stuff. Um, Dad was still coaching away, and then seventh form, I, um, sorry, last year of school, uh, I got into the well, got into the first fifteen, and got named as captain. So Dad threw in the old coaching gig just to kind of come and watch my games, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, he'd be coaching. He retired young enough. Um, they don't have shoulder surgeons like they used to, so he dislocated it twice and they kind of said to him, oh, you can keep playing rugby or you can be a farmer, so he went farming. Farming was the route for him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Did you think farming would be the route for you or did you I, have an eye on professional rugby? Yeah, so after, after school things kind of didn't pan out. I wasn't kind of on a whole lot of radars or anything like this um, as far as New Zealand schools or New Zealand academies or anything like that. 
So I was like, ah, oh, my other love and life's uh, farming. So I went over to the other side of the country, um, just kind of went to the, well, what, what worked out to be um, probably the best decision I made was I went working for two years. And it kind of, I was playing just under 20s rugby just for the local club and I was loving my code and being an 18 year old boy kind of thing and it was, it was good, we were working hard. Um, I was 88-ish kilos dripping wet. So uh, riding a horse every day kind of in my element. So I was on the farm every day, six o'clock in the morning job, yeah, yeah. all day, yeah. working, no food. Is that what you mean when you say you were yeah. 80 kgs? No, you I, I would still eat, but you kind of work was prioritised over food. So you kind of go out and you come back and you still got a lunchbox full of food. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, you have that for dinner. Um, but no, that was, that's just how it was for the first 12 months anyway. And then I got into the Hawke's Bay um, under-20s team and went, went away and played all right and played well. And then New Zealand 20s the, for the following year got in touch and said they were interested in giving me a crack. So, What was that like? You went so you came I did having not gone through any academies? Yeah, or? yeah I, I did the full circle. So I, um, so I hadn't been training. I hadn't been doing anything. I'd just been working on the farm. And so I... Um, got there there was a gym on the farm just with a whole lot of old kettlebells and stuff so I'd, we lined those up and got them got all the uh, all the machines working again um, and so I had a good mate who did it with me um, so I went from one extreme to the other from not training to training full-time um, eating and like I said food was wasn't prioritized but then um, I had to put weight on because I turned up to the first camp and the coach stood me up and he kind of said well how do you expect to make this team and I took it really personally, like who's having a, this is in front of the whole, um, a whole squad. Right. And so I just kind of took it so personally. Um, so I went away and became a bit of a fanatic. Um, so I was eating probably six or seven meals a day um, in the saddle, kind of on my horse. <laughs> and so I'd go to, I'd go to bed um, full and I'd wake up full. It was yeah. a nightmare. It was... <clears throat> Uh, but we weren't we weren't paid a hell of a lot, so I um, so every every dollar I had went from going into booze and kind of into food and um, doing things right. So since then I haven't really been able to eat tuna. Um, it's not really. So you were stuffing into. Yourself I just so literally three of those a day, yeah. um, fingers Tins and all, tuna. tin tuna, yeah. just and. Um, but now that was me, um, and so I actually, so I'd work all day go to training, come back and go to the gym because that was the only time I could have time. So I was burning the candle at both ends and that kind of, I learned a pretty tough lesson about a couple of weeks out from the first trial. Uh, I got diagnosed with blood poisoning and um, kind of, I was just run down. And so I got septicemia. Jesus. Um, yeah, so I had exhaustion. Um, so everything kind of went into into shutdown, uh, which was a bit scary. Wow. So that was, yeah, so that was two weeks in hospital. And I came out and I was 86 kilos and I just remember I was the most upset I'd been ever. Undone all the work Undone that you, everything. Everything you put in. And so that, that, that got me. And so then I went along to the 20s trials and not being involved in the first trial because I just got out of hospital was kind of a, a kick in the teeth. Um, they wouldn't let me do much. And so that, that was fine. Um, and so the next trial I was gearing up for it, I was back into the mode, um, kind of learned a lesson. And then I get a phone call, it's, uh, Reese, where are you? Um, the trolls are kind of, everything's underway. I was thinking, oh, sh- 
So I hopped in my uh, 92 Ford Mondeo and... I'm disappointed you didn't have the horse. But I, nah, <laughs> I, but you, I, 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 had, I turned up and I had my <clears throat> knife belt on. I'd been killing sheep all day. I had my knife belt on, had my swan dry on and I was covered in blood. And I had my rucksack because that's all I had. I literally ran into my room and I had an old army rucksack and I literally filled it up, flew to this and I flew. And I got there and I heard it, I hopped out of the car and I heard a hissing and I was like, ah, oh, that'll be fine. So I shot in anyway, it was a four day trial. I'd missed the first two days. So they had a two day scrum session and with um, Chrono and it was, that was, that pissed me off. So now I'm in there, I'm pissed off. And so I trained unbelievably well. I played incredibly well for me anyway, because I, I was so angry that no one had thought to give me a call a couple of hours into the session. They decided to call me after the, it. yeah, yeah. So, but that's, that's what happens when you're not in the mix, you're not in the, and the, in in the, the circle, loop. yeah. So yeah. you weren't and in the loop even with other players, basically. And, no, well, I didn't know anyone. Okay. I kind of met a few guys through Hurricane Schools and stuff at the trials, but I didn't know anyone. They weren't your mates. No, nah, well, I kind of walked in there and I was kind of a, no one knew who I was mm. and I didn't really know any of them. And so, yeah, so that was, that was the second trial and I actually went really, really well. And then the final trial, um, the, the number one hooker didn't turn up with a broken foot. So here's Happy a days. yeah yeah <laughs> I um, I still remember getting my name getting called out and it just couldn't believe it couldn't believe it really and so yeah and so that was basically uh, my twenties run um, kind of from not having any um, gym experience or anything and my gym technique still gets hounded because I'm I'm horrendous yeah I just kind of I oh, I give it a go kind of thing yeah and um, that's inspiring to think you know that even like. If you were to, if you were a father and you were a young lad, you'd almost want him to go through a, a that. Well, I would anyway. Want him to go yeah. through that more route rather than the usual academy. Things are kind of handed yeah. to you a little bit. Um, I know that's not the case for all players, but for a, for a young man to go in and learn the discipline at 18 years of age, <laughs> of getting out of bed, farm, getting out of bed at yeah, five o'clock yeah. in the morning after work, and not turning up hungover <clears throat> on a Monday or yeah, and still having to to do your day work and train yeah. and play and still have to do everything that everyone else does. Yeah, um, yeah that must have been something, there must be still something that you draw on. Yeah, I, 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 it was an unbelievable time um, for me. Like you say, you learn a lot of life lessons pretty quick. Um, one of them was we burnt a, we're out the back, um, we were lambing ewes and the actual, the hut burnt while well, we half burnt the hut down. And so instead of kind of, yeah, no one to, we couldn't get in touch with anyone back and we're a probably two hours ride from anywhere. So one of the boys stayed back and fixed the hut while we had to pick up his work because we all had jobs to do. Mm. And so we literally, there was no complaining. There was no, oh, you left the candle too close to the ceiling kind of thing and it's your fault. It was, listen, I'll stay back here. I'll fix everything up. You guys just take my workload. So we went out and did his jobs for him and he stayed at home, fixed the, fixed the place up, sorted dinner kind of thing. Mm. And it was those things. But then it's also, it, it was cleaning the toilets. It was yeah. um, killing sheep and getting rid of the ends and using all of them. We'd, nothing was wasted on the farm mm. because we, had, we would have had probably 40 or 50 dogs. We would have had 20 or 30 horses, all that rely on kind of all the sheep and everything but yeah these dogs you had to feed them every night and they they are your best mates because you rely on them day in day out and some of them run their paws off you come back from work and and like you say to learn those life lessons the fact that guys around you 
kind of have your back when you need like I had I had horrible days where I'd, I just made absolute errors and it, it, it makes me laugh like I had absolute fuck ups really <laughs> and um, and so then all the sheep go in the wrong direction and you can't sit there and sit on your laurels you're on your horse and you're gone yeah. there's no thought about it there's no oh Shit. it's your fault right. it's your yeah. and then I was coming across the valley and I saw my mate coming down the other side full noise on his horse because he saw so they broke down and if they got if they got away they would have been gone yeah and so that would have just been a nightmare and but without talking to him without yelling at him without anything he was on his bike and i love the fact that you can compare that to a team like that i'm playing with now or i've played with in the past yeah guys are kind of when the chips are down you see he turns up and so that's what i kind of especially walking into a super rugby team like the chiefs you you're surrounded by blokes like Liam Messam and Cruden and Sam Kane and all these kind of blokes. And you were brought in there at 20 years of age, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's these Craig Clarks and all these blokes who kind of, they're not superheroes, they're not any different to anyone else, and your Richard McCaws and things. They're just normal blokes, but they're willing to kind of do extraordinary things. Yeah. So that was kind of, that was my biggest taking, especially from going through that route, is they're just normal blokes, um, and a lot of people just spend a lot of time idolizing and, and making them so important that they can't do any wrong but mm. nine times out of ten they are just um even the big scary ones like Brody Italic are just just yeah. lads and they made you very welcome then with the, yeah, the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah so talk to us about the Chiefs then how did that how did that pan out for you uh yeah so I I rolled into and this is probably the big letdown of not doing the academy and stuff I rolled into that with the idea that I'd just keep playing kind of keep playing rugby mm-hmm and I, I loved it, I really enjoyed it, and I loved doing, uh, playing a game for a living, um, and so I got an opportunity to do it. And so I, t- I took it by ball by two horns and kind of had it a phenomenal first year, and played my first game, and both the hookers were out, and I played 80 minutes, and I loved every minute of it. And then um, one thing I wasn't used to was kind of the, the training schedules, and, the, and so I'd... I'd go out for a few beers kind of thing as I'd do on the farm on a Saturday night after the game and then Sunday there'd be another couple of beers so I'd go another couple of beers and you soon learn in a professional environment that you can't be you can't be doing that every weekend and mm-hmm. so I found out that out the hard way um, and so kind of um, I took a, a lot of learnings from that first year um, and then especially in my second year my throwing fell to bits and so I didn't know how to deal with that I didn't know how um, how I could turn that around. So all I did was I dove in. I did more and more and more reps, um, being that the more I do, the better I get. Yeah. And I never knew anything different, and that's kind of how I've got through everything. And so I literally dove into it and was doing, shit, two and a half, three thousand throws a week. And it was, again, it was, I thought that I was getting better, but all I was doing was digging myself a massive hole. Yeah. Um, and so that didn't help with my rugby. And so then I started seeing everything in a different light my attack, my defence, everything. And so all I was doing was doing extra, doing more, doing more, doing more. And so I wasn't kind of prepped enough to go, oh, I need a bit of help. So I had no idea what I was doing with my throwing. I had no idea what I was doing with my tackling. I was just like, if I do more, I'll get better. And I actually taught myself really bad habits. habits yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that takes a while to get rid of, and they're still not gone. Um, and no different to the gym. I just do more gym, so I wouldn't tell the trainer. I'd just go off and do extra gym. Or I go do extra running, or and then when you start 
getting injuries and niggles, they're like, well, where's this coming from? And the fact you haven't told them you'd played, gone and played touch or tag on a Wednesday mm. kind of thing and thought nothing of it because um, you thought you're doing extra. This while you're playing Super 14. Yeah, okay. yeah. Or going, you go rowing, I'd, I'd go down and just hop on the row and I'd turn out my back would be lynched. And they're like, what's going on here? I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. It's, yeah. But it's because I was worried that... Um, because I was worried that if I didn't do enough, I'd be kind of mm. left behind or forgotten is that about. How did it, how did it, how it came to an end? Then did you uh, yeah, do yourself I, out of a contract with that? Yeah, yeah. So my throwing was one thing that kind of really let me down, and so I went away and got a coach, um, got a psychologist, got a few people on board. Because it's amazing how it's actually the support network that mm-hmm. keeps you kind of afloat when everything hits the wall. And so I got through that and had two phenomenal uh, ITM Cup seasons. Uh, as far as my throwing went, um, that was probably one of my proudest moments. And the Chiefs turn around and go, oh, listen, you know, we've got this young fella coming through. Um, we want to give him a contract. Would you mind taking a wider wider training? And I said, shit, not at all. No no bother. So when I did that, and then they came back to me and said, oh, actually, listen, it's going to be an injury cover. Um, so still in, still in for the time. Um, so I was, But I wouldn't have been part of the squad, as say. So after a few years up there, that kind of bit me hmm. and then my province came back and said I oh, actually we're going to offer you this amount and not not to say that I'd play rugby for the money I don't at all I'd do it because I love it and but for your home province to come and do that uh, yeah it's a bit of a kick in the head hmm. and I, I know it's not a it's not a financial game but it's as you'd understand it's where you grow up it's kind of mm-hmm. and so then I thought bugger it I'm just going to take it um, and if the injury covers for three weeks, it's for three weeks, and then I'll just go back on the farm and work on the farm and play for Taranaki, and that was my plan. Um, and then Russie, uh, Russie Rasmus called me, and so I had I had a conversation with um, Montpellier and one other club over there and a, um, a couple of clubs around the place, and I was like, oh, I'm not really that interested. Um, don't really think, don't really know much about them, don't really know um, a lot about European rugby. Um, and then, yeah, Russi called me, and I had no idea where he was coaching, and I had no idea who he was. <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew who he was, but mm. I didn't, didn't realise he was in a coaching role. Mm. And he said, I'm at Munster Rugby. And I kind of sat there, and he said, oh, we're interested in signing you. And I was thinking, shit, oh, this is, must be an injury cover thing. And he's like, no, we're interested to get the RFU on board as well and bring you over as... Um, kind of going forward would be interested in you and I was thinking where's this come from like where has he seen me play like um, but then yeah so that was about the time my granddad uh, became quite ill and he was always a Munster man um, ever since um, the ever since Munster gave the All Blacks a hiding it's always been a legend at home anyway so, really I was yeah. going to ask you that I was like what the, what are the thoughts of yeah, Munster yeah. back home yeah um, so my family being absolute rugby heads yeah um, so that still stings still stings yeah yeah so <laughs> it, it, it takes a bit of settling um, yeah. yeah so but no granddad um, so he was he was on board with the fact that I was staying in Taranaki and, and he was happy I was on the farm but then I went and told him that because I told him that there'd been other offers and he was kind of like oh I went and told him that, and he said, you can't not do it. Okay. So I was like, Shh. oh, I suppose if Granddad says I have to do it, I kind of have to yeah, do it. Yeah, And so, yeah. yeah. That's a serious seal of approval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially for me, um, back in the day, he played professional rugby before it was professional rugby. Yeah. So he was working full-time and kind of 
his old fellow was on the farm. No time for no time for sport when you're on the farm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So Granddad would travel a mile to get to play footy, kind of thing, to play rugby. And then he played five caps for Taranaki, and he never looked back. He loved every minute of it. And so for me to get his seal of approval was just like, yeah, brilliant, gone. Okay, so you packed your bags. Yeah, that was yeah. It. Uh, Granddad passed away about three weeks later. Oh man, I'm yeah, sorry. Ah. Jesus. But Nat, Dad, and I get up, a couple of whiskeys in the airport for him, and on wow. the plane. So amazing. And then I flew on, flew in on the Monday, played on the Friday against Ospreys, and then the following week played the Mouldy All Blacks and came <laughs> off the bench. Wow. So yeah, so we got down to Cork, full house in Cork, and that was crazy to yeah. get down there and experience that. Because um, in New Zealand, there's no singing, there's no nothing mm. and to get down there and experience that you turn around you got the Māori All Blacks coming the next week wow. um, I was kind of in awe for a long time so yeah I think that was perfect timing when <laughs> yeah, you, got but, to, yeah. you got to see and, uh, Limerick and, and like growing up here we, we were always obsessed with the All Blacks yeah. from like as a kid for me it was always yeah 1978 obviously was probably the reason for that but, yeah. but because New Zealand rugby was you know the, the level was so much above everyone else in the world and uh, then the history of players coming here to play as well from New Zealand. Yeah. Um, Ian Jones. Do you remember yeah. Ian Jones? Did yeah. you know he played for? No. He came here and played for. He's, Did he? He's an, probably the only other Chiefs player. Yeah. I yeah. think. Would he? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. He played yeah. for Old Crescent in Limerick. Oh, yeah. For a year in 1992. Yeah. He was an All Black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he decided to come over, take a year out, came over and played for for Old Crescent across yeah. town. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember going meeting him uh, on Saturday morning. My dad was like, "Do you want to go meet Ian Jones?" I was like, "I was only 10. I was yeah. like, "Absolutely." I went over and he was enormous. Yeah, like, yeah. saw him a rugby ball and stuff. But yeah. yeah, he came here and played for a year, and then went back and played for the All Blacks for the for the following World Cup. And Those were the good old days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible, yeah. man. Yeah. You could do that. Yeah. I remember hearing a story where he came here. He was then on holidays the following year after playing a season with the All Blacks and he stopped in Limerick for a few days and his club Crescent were playing a thirds uh, yeah, 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 yeah. quarterfinal yeah. and they asked him to jump on the bench to play just in case they needed him and he was like, yeah sure, I love this, like so casual back then you could jump yeah. on the bench. So he jumps on the bench and uh, they were winning at half time, they are playing against Tormund, Keith Earls' old club yeah, yeah. and uh, they brought him on at half time. The Tolman boys upped the game so much because he came on that yeah. they beat the shit out of them. Pummeled them, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they were all taking his autograph after the game, like all the other players. Yeah. Um, so there's, and then you'd Reese Ellison, Maffs, Doug Howlett, Rua Tapoki, obviously Tyler and uh, Christian Cullen. Christian Cullen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that to come, like you look at the kind of the, the and then the Francis Sileys, like you say, yeah. the Tyler Blindells, the Albie Mathewsons. The Kiwis who kind of come over here all, and then coming over, I was thinking about. It, I was like, ah, oh, should I hope there's not too much pressure on me, kind of thing. Yeah. I was like, I hope they're not expecting me to turn up and be this phenomenal Dougie Howley kind yeah, of yeah, finisher. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> um, but I, no, I was me and my old man laughed about it. He's like, well, they haven't signed a Dougie Howley, that's for sure. And I was like, yeah, well, that's yeah. that's fair. Probably the first hooker we've signed as well. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. say so. Yeah. So, yeah. But so no, yeah, that's some entrance, man. And I suppose then. Uh, when you say you'd had so much trouble with your throwing and stuff, how's it been working with Fla for the last couple of years? Class. Has it, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I kind of got my end of the old mental side of it sorted, and mm-hmm. that was probably half the battle, like they say, and kind of got 
got my idea of what I needed to do. And then you like I said, you get alongside the guy, a guy like Fla, mm-hmm. and and he's just always there to catch a ball, and he's always there for a little a little pointer. He won't change everything you're doing at all. So that for me is perfect. Mm-hmm. I didn't need a guy coming in and teaching me how to throw again, and he wasn't so. But he's currently doing a little bicep session over there at the moment. Yeah, usually. Yeah, he's so prepping. He he's yeah. prepping before yeah. he gets in here. We're here in the Monster Gym and Keith Earls and Flower. Keith Earls just said he can't believe that Reeves had a saddle for his horse. Cause he no. didn't see that in my ass. No. Um, and he had a bit, bit of pasture than the occasional roundabout. Yeah. Uh, have you ever gone out riding horses with him? No, no, no. I heard Donica um, Ryan's dad's been looking after you a little bit, is he? Yeah, yeah. So I've been up to Nina a few bit, um, just doing farm discussion groups and stuff. So yeah. uh, that, I've, we've had some hilarious days out there in class. Really? Just um, kind of seeing the contrast between New Zealand farmers and Irish farmers. Yeah. The Everything that's different, but everything that's exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so that, that that's what I enjoy. So my missus is a vet. Um, and so we're kind of in that circle anyway. Mm. So um, yeah, I love getting out and just getting amongst them, seeing what they're up to. Cool. Um, so currently doing a soils paper. So going just dirt paper really uh, for university. So I'm going around collecting um, samples and stuff and they're just hilarious. Like you go on there and you have to meet grandma and granddad and you have to stay for a cuppa. And mm. then it's 11.30 and you're thinking, Jesus, these three people are gonna go to bed. <laughs> And I'm sitting there and it's my third slice of cake and fourth cup of tea and I'm just like, oh, guys, it's been awesome. Like, yeah. and, but they leave with your bags of dirt. But literally, they, they don't know that I play rugby and I, I don't emphasise that, but I'm just, again, a Kiwi and yeah. kind of in Limerick in an island. And so, yeah, so I go out there and I'm digging holes and they see the flashlight come up one morning and they're like, who's that? I'm like, it's oh, freezer. I have to get another sample. I call the head. And they're like, get off my lawn. I was like, listen. I'm... Um, but not no, wearing any shoes. Not, wearing, not wearing any shoes. Yeah. not wearing any yeah. shoes there. Either, like a typical Kiwi. Yeah. Yeah, we had every Kiwi, I reckon, that came to Limerick for, uh, for the 80s and 90s ended up on our yeah. sitting room floor, man, or yeah. our couch for some reason. My dad just had an obsession with it, so we would always have them. Uh, and it was the best way to grow up, man. It's, it's amazing. Because there's so much similarities, right, between yeah, the two So much. Cultures. And the fact that there's four million people, kind of, I think that's that's half of it. Like yeah. I know um, a lot of Irishmen, they're, they're very, 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 like, they're, they're, good, they're good to open the door and have a pint with you. Mm. Um, and But they're also good if you just need a yarn or if you just want a cup of tea. Mm. And that's no different to at home. Um, so I've met a lot of people here who are more than willing to help me out or, and they wouldn't even bat an eyelid and nine times out of ten they don't know that I play for Munster mm. and whether that's, so uh, I went out um, and got a couple of things engraved a couple of weeks ago, just a couple of little toys for um, the boys that are having babies and your man's just like, so we're sitting there, I was sitting there for about four hours just chewing the fat with him and kind of he gave me a couple of these massive plaques of wood and they're beautiful um, bog wood all done up so I do a lot of shooting so I've got a lot of stag heads and stuff and so these are 150 200 bucks worth of wood like there's so much because I used to do them I know how much work has to go into them and he's like man just keep them so I called him up on the weekend I was like hey um any chance you're looking for a couple of rugby tickets rugby tickets for what (laughs) I'm like well the quarterfinals on so he so he lives in Ennis and he's a GAA to the to the guys. What? What do you mean? Ah, oh, fuck! No, no, no. You'll <laughs> no be fine. Idea. You had no idea. Not a not an inkling of a clue. Oh, that's brilliant. And then I drove. I went out there. Um, 
I was, I was shot out there the other day and I was just like, you know, pulled up in a Munster car. He's like, what are you doing in that? I'm like, well, I'm playing with him. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and kind of didn't make anything yeah. of it. Um, but no, that, that's Classic. what I think. Yeah, yeah. That, but that's what I love about it. And it's just hilarious. Yeah, what quarterfinal? I was like, oh, jeepers. He's 30 minutes up the road. And every time I go out there, he's so thankful. Thanks for coming out. Like, thanks for coming. Yeah. And it's like, man, it's only half an hour. But yeah. Ireland's hilarious because it's so small. Yeah. Not used to kind of driving the... It's true. Yeah, we think it's a... We think an hour to do it, oh, an hour and a half the distance. It's a big job. Yeah. Um, and me and the missus are talking about it. We used to drive two and a half hours just to kind of shoot home for the night. Right. And that was oh. not, you'd never think about it. Now I'm thinking about it going home in June, going home to winter. It's like, oh, we have to drive from here to here. And I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a long way. <laughs> <laughs> we're stopping off on the way kind okay. of thing. Well, it's safe to say so. You're happy enough in Ireland. And, yeah. And uh, would you have your sights on potentially playing? Uh, International rugby, is that something you... Yeah, that's... Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I came over here and everyone was talking about it then and people have, haven't stopped talking about it. And I don't know, for me, um, one step at a time. Yeah. And now it's coming up real quick and the missus is the same. She's like, well, we've got to make a bloody plan. I'm like, yeah, but I'd much rather just win months or something. Absolutely. And kind of tick this year off and then kind it's of no point be done it. with it. Yeah, yeah be done yeah. with it, go home. Um, to get and home then, for a month and, yeah, get yeah. home for a month, and then I'll be by the time I get back over here and preseason's done, everyone will be in World Cup mode, so mm. I'll be no one will be none the wiser. Mm. So, and then after that, um, yeah, I suppose I have to, I suppose I have to make a bloody decision, yeah. decision, I suppose. And before, I suppose you head home, and before you to make those decisions, you still have to finish out the season here, exactly. And uh, no better way to do it than a semi final against Leinster in the RDS. Exactly like last year. Hmm. One point. Yeah. One measly point. It can be the biggest and the smallest margins. They're yeah. just... But we saw on the weekend, um, we were talking about it before, I just about had a heart attack those last five or six minutes. Yeah. And you got Benetton, who are playing unbelievably well, and the boys who are just a pace, couple of, couple of percent off the pace, yeah. and they were made look silly. Hmm. And I was sitting there, and I was like thinking, if that drop goal goes off, I'd be the angriest person, because yeah. I couldn't help. I was sitting there on the sideline... And that's the worst feeling in the world is you can't go in there and give your mates a hand. Yeah. You're sitting there and you just say, oh, but RDS, Leinster, bring it on. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. It's, I've had the opportunity to play them a few times now and it's... Yeah, after what happened at Christmas, I think there was yeah. a lot of, a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of passion lot of, overspilling there, yeah, so we might have yeah. a little bit more of that. Yeah, I was red raw, yeah. just throat was gone. Again, I wasn't in the mix, so I was up the back and I was just into them yeah and yeah and it's hilarious you play James Lowe and you play um Jamison like good mates of mine but yeah. like all due respect like they just when they put that blue jersey on they just yeah it's something about them, them. <laughs> yeah 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 um but no that's that's kind of why you play it you do it you you play the game to get these derbies yeah. and Leinster a phenomenal side and as as we saw on the weekend we can be a we can be an average side yeah. against the Benetton team who are playing very well but everyone has their days and I'm just really looking forward to hopefully being in the mix this weekend mm. um, and just climbing into them because it's going to be yeah there's going to be no love lost anyway absolutely well we're lucky to have you in the in the side man yeah. so thanks so much for talking to us beautiful Bruce Marshall I just felt when I got here, the uh, a lot of those Irish internationals, no one really pushed their buttons, and 
I always I always push people's buttons, whether it's for the good or the bad, and I wanted to go for the big dog first yeah. up, and uh, I got a good reaction out of it, you know, but uh, he, he's, he's always the winner winner at the end of the day. Like like when you arrive in prison and you take on the big guy. Yeah, you, yeah, they, they don't they don't go for the crazy dude, you know, yeah. if you if you attack him. But uh, I mean, he, he really put it to me when he hit that drop goal against France. You know, uh, we're at the pub and we almost brought the brought the roof down. So uh, he's a very very good player. We're here with John Fogarty, uh, fresh off the pitch um, at Leinster, and I was actually saying I was surprised. I, I haven't been at the game at the weekend over at St James's Park. I just thought you boys had just taken till Friday off and just kind of get back down. But you were saying you were in reviewing the game already on, on Monday then as well. Yeah, yeah. That sometimes you don't want to. You, you want to stay in stay in the house and hide. But yeah. I think the best way to get over things is to, to deal with what's in front of you, and, and that's what we did on Monday um, yesterday. So yeah, we we came in and. We met as a group of coaches and discussed everything from selection to um, game day management and so on. And, and then we talked. Uh, then we met with the players and w- reviewed the game. And it's it's difficult because it's so close. And mm. um, you were there, so yeah. you know the the emotion of of it all. Like the support we had was just immense. So for us to have that much um, support. It shocked us all, I think, when we were over there. Yeah, and, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah, and we, we're we're gutted, you know, for lots of reasons. But a lot of it is to do with you know we, we had so much support. <laughs> yeah, it was like because I was said like we do do the show with like Barry, who's Munster, and Andrew Trimble, who's Ulster, and would call Leinster the Lannisters as well, and they have everything going for them. <laughs> so they weren't too disappointed. They were even talking about wearing Saracens gear on the show when they did it on Sunday. Where were they? Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> I nice told, lads. I just told them I couldn't get the... Uh, I, I, there was nothing on sale. I couldn't get it. I couldn't get my hands on it. Good, 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 good. But, uh, but yeah, just from being there, like, you know, even they were kind of just saying... It, it's like it's clear to them that, like, the two best sides in, in Europe as well, and, like, it's... I was even I was talking to Jack Conan after the game, and I was saying it's hard to kind of say it to a player, but it was like it's, it must be exciting in a way because you'll, you'll surely meet this side again. Like you know, it's if you guys both you know keep the foot mm. on the floor next season, there could be another collision that we could all look forward to at least. Next we would season. hope so. We would hope mm. so. I mean, that's that would be our plan to be able to have days like that at the end of the season, and you know, we'll, we'll you know I won't be there, but, but yeah, next year yeah. they'll they'll plan that way and and try and create something good in, in, this, in the season and get ourselves in another final. Um, that's, that's why Monday was so important because the learnings you take from, from this kind of a game and not just the guys that played but the entire squad, you know, things change. There's players in and out every season and we get these new players popping up. So um, the learning from that game is huge for us. You know, in the small moments that we didn't quite get it, why didn't we, why didn't we and mm. what can we do better? And, and that's what this week is about really. And, um, but really quickly because we've got a we got a front up now against Munster yeah. on Saturday, which is which is pretty exciting to be honest. That's what I was saying. I was trying to talk to one of the lads in the office earlier. I was saying like, what happens when like when you've just you know you're Spider Man and you've taken on the Green Goblin or something like that, like I said, and <laughs> Sandman or something like that is waiting for you up the road or like you know it's there's another kind of thing to to get you kind of fight like, scrap. Yeah, another yeah. big scrap. Yeah, and you know Munster will kind of they might see that you guys are wounded as well, like, and we have to kind of. You know, press the knife in here as yeah, well. Yeah, there's no doubt that they're gonna they're gonna try and take advantage of, of anything they can, and you know we'd be the same, I suppose. You know, that's the nature of it. It's mm. it's pretty cruel. You know, the, the sport is is uh, you got to move on. And uh, the good thing about it with the with the lads is that you know uh, that's been the nature of it for the last couple of seasons. We've had to have finals or semi finals. We lose semi finals. We've got to go into a pro 
mm. Pro 14 semi-final and try and get through that and uh, that's been the nature of it for the last number of years so they're getting better and better at digesting what happens at the weekend whether you win big or or in, the, in last weekend's case, we lose big, you know, digesting it all. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, they're, they're getting there, yes, slowly but surely. And, and like from, I think I was in row B, so I was pretty close to the action, but like, it's just, it was absolutely like, you know, a brutal game of rugby, and, and like, so, so many of them are when you get to the, the, the highest level as well, but as a coach, what are you thinking when you're looking at some of this stuff? Like, you know, it's like, it's like a red wall that you're up against as well, and kind of... Yeah, like, so we, we all have our areas that we coach, and mm. so for me, I'm looking, when we're carrying into that red wall, I'm looking at carry type and how our, what, are, what we're doing at the rock. And so we're looking at our bits and you're, we're very much switched on. Um, in that last 10, you, you know, geez, we're, it's 20-10, we have 10 minutes left. Mm. And that's probably their most dominant part of the game when they're ahead and they're just stopping us and, and they, they're keeping us in our own half and you know, we eventually get turned over. Yeah. At that stage, you're just like, we're dust here, you know, we're, we're mm. done. Um, but for huge portions of that game, for 60 minutes as a coach, even you know, even the little things that happen in either side of half time, you're still kind of feeling quite good about how the team is is moving through the game. So mm. that first 60 minutes, we're going quite well. There's 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 there's, a, there's opportunities that the lads wanted to take either side of half time, uh, didn't happen, and then there were some calls that didn't quite happen, um, and then yeah, but as a, I think as a coaches, we 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 still felt. It was 10 all, you know, yeah. we need to get ourselves in a nice position and let's smash this red wall down. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. We, there's belief that we can and mm. uh, it, it didn't happen, mm. but uh, small things, small things. There was, uh, like, I suppose, that, let's go back then, or like, even from, from your own time here at Leinster as well, of like maybe a slightly brighter kind of memory for yourself or something to look back on. I remember chatting to Emmett Farrell here a few years ago. Um, he was talking about doing the video analysis and when a move kind of comes off in a game or when a set play comes off, and he was talking about a line-out move they did against Biarritz, uh, where they split the middle of them. And I think Jamie Heaslip carried through the middle okay, of the line-out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was saying that's something they had spotted, that they drifted. Yeah, right. Is there a moment like that, as a, like, you know, in, in your job, where you kind of, is there something that you spotted and it works? Is there, ever, is there anything that comes ah, there to is, mind? If we catch, like saying in the scrum, if we have a, a certain plan and <laughs> yeah. we want to catch someone out, we get it done. Um, there's always that little yeah yeah but uh, yeah and the uh, same with line out if, if at the very start of the game you know Leo, Leo scouted quite well and we, we caught them and they, mm. they, they were penalised at the very very start of the game yeah. they're, they're nice moments but um, yeah there's so much more to it I've, Emmett's a very selfish kind of person so he's always <laughs> yeah. he's always thinking of himself so for, we're more thinking of the lads than, than ourselves I think when we're, we're, when we're out there coaching I was going to think yeah like if there is something that worked like who do you turn to who's the other person in the room or the coach's box <laughs> that knows that you were the one who did that like or, Leo I probably wanted want to go that was great but if I did that he'd probably you know, shut up yeah yeah you yeah know? Um, I think actually I was, you were you were on the sideline, weren't you? Like yeah. you were, you're the one who's on to Leo there because I think I saw that in the first yeah, half. Yeah, yeah. So he's the one every now and then he'll just kind of. Are you his voice then on down on the exactly. pitch sometimes? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I message forwards, um, and sometimes it's not a whole lot to say. You know, sometimes mm. you go out with a message and they already have it. Yeah. You know, they could just be like, "Yeah, we know. We yeah, got, we got it." Um, other times they need a little bit of energy, or um, but a lot of the time it's just. Um, more confirming what's already happening out there, and you're, you know, but Lee, that's it. Leo will message me, I message it forwards. Uh, Charlie will message back through, through Stuart. Mm. Um, so, that's how it runs. And, and then, like with your own kind of, you know, journey, and uh, you're moving on to Ireland then after World Cup as well. But could you ever have seen that coming? You know, like you had to retire, kind of like concussion related as well. Like, could you ever 
look back to that moment where you finished up and was there ever a moment you thought you might be actually finished with rugby you might have to move on to something else I, I did I didn't um, so I, I always wanted to stay involved in rugby um, so I was, I, I was coaching all the way along so as a player as a, as a player when I was in Galway in Connacht I was coaching under 16s and under 18s yeah. just to coach mm. um, and then when I came to Dublin um, I wanted to get involved in coaching and I coached J1s out in De La Salle Parmesan and then coached some of the senior side for a while and then went on to coach with Belbo. So I, was always, I always wanted to be involved in coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd finished a business uh, sports management course in, in Waterford when I was there and then when I came to Dublin I did a sports management a master's and again I, I wanted to again, stay involved in some way. Um, and it was just about perfect, the timing of it, um, to get involved with the academy. Uh, developing young players yeah. um, as an EPDO was awesome, so that that was just perfect. Um, but there was there was a few months where I was sick of rugby and I was depressed, thinking of myself mm. and thinking, oh, I should be still playing and all that stuff. But that that goes away quite quickly, and then you're kind of going, oh, quite lucky to actually have done that. Yeah, and move on now. And um, I was lucky to get involved with Leinster in the academy set up, set up, and it's sort of gone from there. And um, I was desperate. I remember thinking after I'd finished. Um, I really wanted to get back to into the middle of the RDS. Um, yeah, and I didn't know I didn't know quite know how. Uh, Leo the like, line or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> dress me up. Yeah, but I was I was I was I was kind of how can I get back involved with this? Mm. And then once once I started to get back involved with Leinster, instantly you're thinking how can I? Is there any way I can get back involved with Ireland? And so the, well, I'm not going to say there was a perfect plan put yeah, in place, yeah. but in my mind I always wanted to get back. Um, to the professional setup and you know be involved in, at some level and mm. start off with, with development and it ended up with the coaching thing. So hopefully I can, yeah, hopefully I can drag this out for another yeah. few years. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I often talk about that in my career as well. Like, <laughs> exactly. still doing it, still getting away. Yeah. Somebody's paying me. Um, there is a thing as well where, like as you said, like starting off with the academy. Is there a player or two that you've almost had the journey with that started around the same quite time? Quite a few, yeah. Yeah, quite a few, yeah. yeah. So the Byrne brothers. Are, yeah, I was yeah. there. Jack Conan's there. Um, Tyg Furlong, he was he was in the academy when I arrived there, so um, we've probably knocked about with each other. All those players, yeah, um, yeah. I would have seen Ross Maloney when he was, you know, 16, 17, uh, James Ryan, all, 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 pretty much all the young guys when I was involved in the academy. Um, they're all kind of bubbling yeah. away through, you know. Um, the, you know. the schools do such a great job of, you know, delivering these young lads to. Mm. Um, I mean, I was a mess leaving school. Like I, yeah. I knew it. I went to college and it was bumbling along, but how together they are in their minds around how they need to act as a professional player when they're in here yeah. is, is phenomenal. And when they come in the door first, you know, there's a few um, wrinkles need to be ironed out. But yeah, they, yeah. they're just, you know, they're they're an absolute pleasure to work with. You know. Yeah. yeah. So those guys that I mentioned, um, uh, James Tracy, uh, all, all those guys. Um, working with them over the last, you know, what is it now, um, six, seven, eight years is, it's mad to watch it. You know, it's yeah. crazy to watch it all come through. You know, that they're, they're um, you're in admiration. Like, like I've forgotten that I played rugby. Like when I watch the game now, I'm like, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Fair yeah. play to them. And when I watch them pitch up, get through reviews, you know, and pitch up again next week, yeah. I'm kind of going, I'm, I'm, I'm in total admiration of, of what they do. You know. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. I actually does um, out of all them, I suppose. Well, there's so many good players you mentioned there, but uh, I remember just having seen James and, and that brilliant Michael's team that he was part of, and yeah, yeah, 
it's funny when lads stick out like you're like this guy's gonna be one to watch Freak. as well like yeah did you, you know, is he someone that like yeah definitely yeah. Uh, Andrew Porter when Andrew Porter I dropped Andrew Porter when he was 17 or 18 and I still remember I still have his little face in my, in my mind and he's turned into another beast and I've yes, seen him come yeah. through but with, with JR it, it hits you real quick mm. you're kind of going Jesus he's first of all physically he's designed for the game yeah yeah but then once you get to know him and how he actually processes all his bits, um, how driven he is, mm -hmm. um, scary stuff. Like, like I said, when I left school, I was just like, how much crack can I have? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, <laughs> crack is in fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's, that was my approach. You know, we have some crack here and you know, it's a different time, obviously. We yeah. drink beers and play with rugby and whatever, but yeah. these, these lads are different, different gravy. Yeah, aren't they? Does, um, you're talking about that, yeah, like the, that the goal maybe when you were starting was, you know, maybe not kind of written down on paper, but Ireland as well. So, hmm. how good did it feel? How did it? Was it Andy gave you a shout, or was it catch you at a game one day? Or like uh, Damien Sefora would have made contact okay, first. Yeah, yeah. We went and met and met with Andy, and uh, it was, yeah, it was again something that I, f I felt like I'm starting to move towards. So, mm -hmm. you know, so much of that has to do with the group that are here, and I'm conscious of that as well. Like, so you know, this group going so well gives me an opportunity to start to, to put myself out there as well. So. Um, yeah, I guess I was in my mind. I was starting to think this is something I want to move towards, mm -hmm. um, and I'm working with a, a, a good group of players and felt that I could add value. And, and that's 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 what I was thinking in my mind. And then when you get a phone call, it's 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 mad. Yeah, I yeah. rang my missus straight away and was like, uh, "Nisa Four wants to meet me." You know about about the. About I don't know I don't know what but I'm I'm hoping it's for yeah, this job yeah. and uh, travel tips yeah for exactly Cork. yeah exactly yes. but yeah it's it's been a it's been a it's been crazy yeah I haven't probably thought about it an awful lot because this part of the season is so it fills your mind up so much with what you're doing mm, right now yeah that every now and again I stop and go oh my god I have to you know this is all going to finish in two weeks and I need to plan for the next part now and probably still haven't gone there fully in my head but. Um, in the moments that I do, it's it's I'm pretty pretty chuffed, you know. It's yeah. something that my family is really really proud of, and I'm 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 proud of as well, you know. So it's great. Well, what is it? Well, look, finish then by looking ahead to this monster game then at the weekend, and uh, yeah, fittingly it's in the RDS, and it's not only for yourself, it's like Sean O'Brien, Jack McGrath, yeah, no, good few, yeah. yeah, a few good few other guys are all going to be finishing up then as well, and mm. um. You know, like, what would it kind of mean to you then again, like, to kind of, you know, have, at least have a, a win and send off at the RDS as well? Um, yeah, I, wa I want the team, I want the team to do well. Yeah. Like, desperately, desperately, desperately want the team to do well. Um, if they do really well, if we perform really, really well, I'll probably be happy mm -hmm. um, that that I was part of something. Yeah. Last week, like I said, driving up St. James's Gate into the stadium, um and seeing this, the level of support, yeah, it was yeah, like something in the in the minds of the supporters. The, the lads have created that. Mm. You know, they've given them big moments throughout the season that people decided to come over. You know, twenty thousand, twenty five thousand people decided to come over and and be there when we're driving into the stadium. That was a huge yeah. for me. That was a big moment. I think when the players play the game. It's it's them, and mm -hmm. I'm I'm there with them, but and it's very much I hope they win. I want them to win, um, but you're so ingrained in the performance side of things. I want us to perform for the supporters because we've obviously created something in the minds of supporters, and I, I'm I'm proud that I played some part in that over the last number of years. So, um, either way, I'm really really proud of my time in Leinster. Um, I hope we put in a 
hell of a performance the weekend and I want to win. We all want to win, so yeah. it's going to be a cracker. I think it's going to be an epic game, you know? Yeah, it should be. Okay, yeah, well, listen, ho- hopefully, actually, I will say hopefully because I am from Leinster as well. Hopefully it goes <laughs> well. Okay. Thank you very <laughs> much. Wind the lads up. Yeah, cheers for that. Cheers, cheers. cheers. You were listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie for the facts.